bright and shining way. Yes, I'm in the glory land way. Telling the world. Good morning and happy new year to you all. This is a warm greeting from Brother Paul Offen and his family. I hope you enjoy your holiday. And I'm praying that this year, 2019, will be a year which will get us closer to God as we wait for the coming of His Son. God bless you that you always listen to me. And I want you to also get this lesson and uh, please send to uh, other people too so that they will all uh, be blessed as you and know the truth as we have in the Bible. Today, the lesson I'm going to present is titled The Worship of the Lost Church or simply Christian Worship. Christian Worship. There are millions of Christians in the world today but it seems we have different kinds of worship that we offer. Either we meet on Sunday or Saturday or whichever day the Christian uh, uh, worship. But we need to go into the scripture and ask ourselves what the scripture teaches or tell us about the Christian worship. So in a few minutes I want us to commit ourselves into God in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for giving us a breath of life and also for giving us this new year, 2019. I pray for my listeners and all those who want to search the scriptures and know the truth, that God this year will make them closer to you and know the truth that is hidden in your scriptures so that together we can prepare ourselves and meet your son. We thank you very much for hearing our humble prayer in Jesus name. Amen. And as I said, again this is your brother Paul Offen presenting this lesson to you today. One thing I want us to establish before we go into our lesson, that is the Christian worship today, is that whenever God specifies in his holy scriptures, everything else, whether addition or subtraction, becomes strange. Mark that down. Whenever God specifies in his holy word, that is in the Bible, everything else becomes strange if it is added. Or subtract to it. The word strange can be defined as irregular or out of ordinary. Anything strange or unauthorized by God, when adopted in worship, becomes sinful and therefore makes worship unacceptable. For this reason, it is always important for Christians to refer to the beginning from the scriptures to ensure the writing is done. Dealing with God's specifications about marriage, Jesus reminded the Jews and said, 
Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. I want you to get this sentence. He said, but from the beginning, it was not so. You can read this from Matthew chapter 19 verse 8. We cannot be certain whether our worship today is a true reflection of what God has commanded without referring to the beginning or going back to the starting point from the scriptures. And as I indicated earlier on, there are millions of Christians in the world. And there are thousands of churches in the world. But it appears each and every one have different format of worshiping today. So it is always good that we go back into the scripture referring to the beginning how it was done. So that we will know whether what we are doing is the right thing or we have to, you know, search the scriptures and find the right thing to do. There are a number of situations in the scriptures where God himself specifies or authorizes things he wants man to do or to be used in the worship. And for this lesson, I want us to consider three points just now. There are a lot of things that we find in the Bible where God specifies things for people to follow. And I want us to consider only three here. The first one is when Noah was commanded to build the ark, he was given specifications as to what material to use, that is the type of wood, the measurements the compartments to be made in the ark, everything that the ark should be, God specified to Noah. You can read this from Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. So, when these specifications are made, anything else, whether addition or subtraction to these specifications, becomes an authorized, strange, and therefore can attract God's punishment. Another point I want us to consider is when God commanded Moses to build the tabernacle for his holy name, the specifications as to measurements and material to be used were given to him. We read this from Exodus chapter 25, verse 1 to 9. Anything else outside this specification becomes strange and not what God says. If you read Exodus chapter 25, verse 9, he says, Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. And I want you to underline that phrase. So you shall make it. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle. And a 
of all his furniture so you shall make it another point that one does to consider i said three points the third one is when nadab and abihu or abihu used the fire for incense offering they were killed by god for using an unauthorized fire before the lord remember that in leviticus chapter 10 verse 1 and 2 these priests there were two from the levi a, a levite uh, a family they were killed by god because they used an unauthorized fire for the worship or for the burning of the incense and god killed them now if you consider all these three points we have raised regarding god's specifications and a punishment that is a threat when one overlook it or when one disobey God then you will understand what we are uh, you understand our topic today the first one is Noah when he was commanded to build the ark God gave him the specification and the second one is Moses when he was commanded to build the tabernacle God gave him specification and the third one that we have just considered is the Nadab and Abihu when they were to offer burnt, uh, uh, incense uh, sacrifice they used an unauthorized okay the Bible says they used strange fire okay for the incense and God punished them to death God would not accept any worship by man, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, if he has not authorized or specified what the worship entails. Man has no right to alter God's specifications without making the worship null and void. In fact, changing God's specifications or what he authorizes can lead to death, as we find in Leviticus chapter 10. Or a spiritual death, as we read from Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, where God considered a church as a living but dead. Why? Because they were not following God's specifications. Lamenting on how people have been altering God's specifications over the years, Jesus says, and I quote, in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandment of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold on to the tradition of men. I'm reading from Mark chapter 7, verse 7 to 8. You can also read the same thing from Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 to 9. Brothers and sisters, it's so sad that Jesus has to point this to the Jews because they were teaching the doctrine and commandments of men and have put God's commandments or God's specification aside. Today, the same thing is happening. Man has introduced certain strange and, and unauthorized things into the worship and therefore has corrupted the worship of God as specified in the New Testament. The argument they sometimes made is uh, uh, the worship has to be modified 
in order to suit the taste of the modern Christians. To them, the worship done in the apostles' time or apostles' days would not apply today since the dynamics have changed. But to argue that worship done in 2000 years ago is now obsolete and has to be amended is to say that God's word cannot stand the test of time. And whoever will say that, oh, that time is past, that is the old time. Look, things that was done 2000 years ago and now we are in a modern age, you want us to do. That means you do not know the God that we worship. If you want to say that the passage of time can also make God's commandments or God's specification obsolete, it means you don't know the God that you are worshipping. The Bible has different view to this opinion. Those who think that uh, the passage of time can also you know, make God's commandment obsolete. It makes it emphatic that the word of God cannot be changed with time, but stands forever. We read this from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8, Matthew chapter 24 verse 35, and 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 25. All these quotations affirm that God's word stands forever and it doesn't change with time. If all religious people refer to the beginning from the scriptures, there wouldn't be any differences in Christian worship as we witness today. When certain practices are done over a long period of time, and if they are done all over again, though wrong as they may appear initially, becomes right and acceptable by the people. The Jews thought Divorcing your wife or divorcing your wife other than adultery, which they had been practicing over centuries, was right. Jesus pointed out to them, you are wrong because from the beginning, this wasn't the case. It wasn't so. The further things has been done uh, over the years, all over again, doesn't mean that they were right doesn't mean that they were right and this is what the Jews were doing they have been practicing some things for so many centuries before Jesus came and then when they put it to Christ Jesus said you don't know the scriptures you always make mistake this is not what was prescribed from the beginning it is because of your hardness of heart that is why you yourself have changed it but it wasn't the case from the beginning. What people are not aware is the fact that when God specified, time cannot change it. Time cannot change it. When God authorizes modernization or civilization cannot change it. Therefore, for people to think that what God has authorized from the beginning is now archaic and obsolete. It means we don't know the God we worship. 
for people to think that the practice that was done from the beginning by the early Christians are now obsolete is the devil's strategy to attack God's authority God sent a strong warning to the Jews if you read Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2 he said to them you shall not add to the word that I command you nor take from it that you may keep my commandments that I command you Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2 also Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever therefore do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings these are all telling us that you cannot just sit there in the 21st century and start doing whatever you want in Christianity and thinking that you can go scot-free no way what God specified cannot be changed with time whenever God specifies brothers and sisters it is important to point this to you all as we go back to the beginning to find out what was done from the beginning let's see having established what we have discussed so far it is important we search through the scriptures refer to the beginning and find out how the Christian worship was done in the past and compared to what is being done today anything unauthorized or strange being practiced today right as it may look must be seen as human doctrine or traditions which makes worship unacceptable as per the law's commandments i want us to pause here and reflect on this uh, uh, on the statement that jesus christ made in matthew chapter 15 verse 8 and 9 and i want everyone that called himself or herself a christian to reflect on this he says these people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me in vain do they worship me teachings as doctrines and commandments of men how do you understand this your worship become just a lift service become vain if you are following the teachings and commandments of man if you are doing something in your worship and you can't find it in the new testament you can't find it in the christian worship which is found in the new testament then your worship is null and void god will not accept what you are doing the new testament which is authority of a christian worship you can refer there to hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 and 7 or hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 1 corinthians chapter 3 verse 4 and 6 all these quotations i have you know uh, uh listed they all point to the fact that christians are under the new covenant or the new testament and not under the old testament again the quotations are hebrews chapter 8 
verse 6 to 9, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. Read this. You will know that Christians worship under the New Testament. We will come to uh, a point where we will get back to this. So, uh, don't forget that. Now, there are five main items as far as worship is concerned in the New Testament. These items, though not listed or tabulated in a particular book of the Bible as seen the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, run through the Acts of the Apostles, letters to the churches, and individual Christians such as Timothy and Titus. So we have five main items in the worship, though they are not listed uh, in a particular book. But you can see that as you go through the book of Acts, uh, or the early Christians, you can see that these items were done during the worship to glorify God. And this is what's supposed to be done today. So as we are going to go through, if this is not being practiced by you or your church, then you have to come again to read the scriptures because you may be wrong. Remember, there's only one way to worship God, but today we have thousands of ways to worship God. You can bear me witness, but which one is the right? If all Christians go back to the beginning where Christianity started and look through the way these early Christian worship and adopt the same, I don't think there will be any differences in uh, Christian worship today. But because many of us Christians are worshiping by the regulations that has been given to them by their so-called pastors, bishops, popes, and the rest, they have damned the commandment of God and following these teachings, which are man-made. And that has made the worship difference as we see today. That has brought about these differences as we see today. Because people are worshiping based on what their leaders tell them and not what the Bible teaches them. Now, these five items include prayer, singing, Lord's Supper, preaching or teaching, and collection for the saints. I want us to consider these one after the other. First, let's talk about prayer. Now, if you scan through the New Testament, Christians are not only advised to pray, but also taught the how, the who, the when, and the where to pray. These specified, these are specified in the Bible, and therefore they must be done exactly so. Jesus taught his followers how to pray. He said, and I'm quoting this from Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues 
and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, when you receive, uh, they, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 to 6 is where I read. The Holy Spirit through Paul guided Christians as to who must lead the prayer and when the church comes together. So it's important that you don't just pray, but you follow the pattern that is being laid by Jesus Christ. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrite. Today, we have so many hypocrite prayer, hypo, uh, hypocrite prayers that is going on in our churches, in our streets, in our corners. Jesus said these people want to pray so that they may be seen by people. You go to some church buildings, they have mounted their loudspeakers pointing outside. And when they start to pray, the community cannot even, you know, uh, 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 hear what is going on. It's just all uh, loud and uh, just uh, making noise to the community. They are saying they are praying. Though they are in the church building, they mounted their loudspeakers for other people. Which is wrong. Which is wrong. Jesus said, do not be like that. But that is what is going on today. Brothers and sisters, let's also consider what Paul said. The Holy Spirit through Paul guided the Christians as to who must lead a prayer when the church comes together. Today, there is a debate on whether or not a woman can lead a congregational or a family prayer during assembly. Because there are some churches who say women cannot lead uh, or pray. The other ch there are also other churches who are saying that women can lead a prayer. The question is, where is the word of God? Where is the word of God? If we all have to follow the pattern that is laid in the Bible, where from this debate? Because you and I, instead of debating all this, will go straight to the Bible and find out what was done from the beginning. Now, the answer to this debate is simple. If we refer to the beginning, we will have the answer. Paul says, and I quote this from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. And I want you to look into your Bible and know if what I'm saying is true. Who can lead a prayer? Is it a woman or a man? This is written in the scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. And I read, Paul says, I desire then in every place the man should pray lifting hands without anger and quarrel. Paul through the Holy Spirit have to put this debate to an end. He says, I desire that men, men, when he say men, 
is referring to the masculine gender. Men have to pray, okay, lifting in holy hands without anger and corn. You continue pray when uh, continue reading this, okay, to up to thirteen. He said, and when he said men should pray, and then he also said the women, likewise the women should do this. So, Paul is making it emphatic that man or men should lead a prayer, and not a woman. This is the word of God. You can read it from your own Bible, and it is not from me. I have no authority over the Bible to tell you what I don't know. This is scriptural specific where men are to lead a prayer instead of the woman. Anything other than this becomes strange, unauthorized, and sinful. If the Bible said a man should lead a prayer and you allow women to do that, it means you are going contrary to the word of God, contrary to the commandment of God, and what you are doing is unauthorized. What you are doing is strange, and what you are doing is sinful, because that is not what God teaches you if you allow women to lead the prayer. The following scriptural passages, and many others in the New Testament, also deal with the prayer, and must be referred to as we check the beginning how it was done. You can read from Luke chapter 18 verse 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17, James chapter 5 verse 13 to 17. These all talk about prayers. And the next item of a Christian worship is singing. And again, what God authorizes or what God has specified Nobody should alter or change it. If you do that, it becomes sinful. So let's consider singing as it was done from the past. Singing as part of the worship is not to be used to entertain Christians. Many people think that we use the singing to entertain ourselves. So when they go to church, and they sing and dance and they become, you know, happy. There's nothing wrong to become happy, but the singing has a reason. It's not to entertain individual Christians. It is to be used in a, according to the Bible for teaching. We sing to teach one another for admonishing one another and also to glorify and express thanksgiving to Almighty God to whom our worship is directed. So, the singing is to teach one another, admonish one another, and also to glorify God. For this reason, Christians must sing as specified or authorized by the scripture and not to modify the singing to entertain themselves. Today, you go to so many church buildings, it's like an entertainment center. It's like a pop. It's like a disco. 
they will be dancing, sweating, and all these things, and they will tell you that this is to glorify God. I'm afraid you don't know what the singing is for. The Bible has specified that a singing is for teaching, to teach the Christians. It's for admonishing one another and also to express thanksgiving to Almighty God. And how is this done? Let's get back to the beginning and see how the Christians did it. Some people refer to the Old Testament passage as in Psalm 150 and other areas in the Old Testament and justify why they use instruments in worship. Though these passages are not dealing with worship, they lack knowledge or understanding to the fact that Christians are not under the Old Testament. They go and quote this Psalm 150 and the other passages in the Old Testament and say this is why we use instrument Jetai and the rest. But these passages are not talking about worship. They are not talking about worship at all. What uh, King David, who is a king in his palace, was doing there has nothing to do with worship. In fact, even that, this Old Testament worship has nothing to do with Christians. Even if they were doing that to worship God, this has nothing to do with Christians because Christians are under Christ's command, under the New Testament. We are not under Moses' command. We have to know the difference. People don't know the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. That is why they are messing up Christianity with this uh, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the Old co Covenant practices. There are two different covenants. And Christians are under the New Covenant. So our worship is based on the New Covenant. So ask yourself, if what you are doing does not fall under the new covenant of our Lord Jesus Christ, then what you are doing is an unauthorized and it's strange and will become sinful. Today, there is also another debate on whether or not instrumental music should be used in our worship. And to contribute to this debate, I will say it is important we refer to the beginning of Christianity and the Acts of the Apostles, which give us a clear history of Christian worship. It will interest you to know that in the New Testament, which deals with the Acts of the Apostles and the early church, has no mention of instrumental music. There is about nine scriptural passages on songs in the New Testament. None of these passages mention instrumental music which is being practiced today. Instrumental music which is being practiced today that has made our uh, churches like pops and uh, uh, discos and you name it, these were not practiced 
by the early Christians. There was no mention of these things during Paul's time, Peter's time. We did not see Paul playing organ or piano or playing drums and dancing and say, I'm using this to worship God. It is not there. It is not in Christianity. So, if you worship, to, you want to worship, please go back to the beginning and look and see exactly what the early Christians did. For what you are doing today, I don't know where it came from. But what I know is, these are all traditions and teachings and doctrines of man and not from God. Let us refer to these passages and know exactly what was done from the beginning. And passage number one, and what I want you to understand, and again I say, whenever God specifies anything else, whether addition or subtraction becomes strange, unauthorized, and sinful, if God specifies in his holy word, and you add anything to it, or subtract anything from what God has said, you make your worship null and void. Your worship cannot be accepted. The first quotation we we'll talk about when we are discussing the, this uh, singing in worship is found in Matthew chapter 26 verse 30. And here it was referring to Jesus Christ. And listen to what he said. Is that a short? He said, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the mountain of Olives. This is our Jesus and his apostles. After the Lord's Supper, they sang. The word is sang. They did not play music. They did not play instrument. They sang. So, Matthew 26, verse 30. Quotation number 2. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. So this is what a singing is about. You sing to teach, to admonish one another and also to give thanks to Almighty God. There's nowhere in the New Testament where Christian worship, the singing, was to entertain the Christians. But it was a medium they used to teach one another, to admonish one another, and also to offer their thanksgiving to God. This is a spiritual worship. And not the dancing, and not the music, and not the disco that they, you know, play in the, in the, uh, in, in the churches today. Quotation number four, if uh, quotation number three, sorry, Ephesians chapter five, verse nineteen, addressing one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual song, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Ephesians five nineteen. There's no mention of the were playing music they sang with your lips James chapter 5 verse 13 also talk about songs 
and he says and i quote is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing praise that's james chapter 5 verse 13. quotation number five first corinthians chapter 14 verse 15 why am I to do? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit and I will sing with my mind also. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 15. Quotation number 6. Acts chapter 16 verse 25. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners listen uh, were listening to them quotation number 7 Romans chapter 15 verse 9 and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name Romans 15:9 quotation number 8 Hebrews chapter 2 verse 12 saying I will tell of your name to my brothers and in the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise Hebrews 12:9 and the last quotation which is quotation number 9 is Hebrews 13:15 through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Hebrews 13, 15. From the above scriptures or from these scriptures that I have quoted, there is no mention of any objects of instrument. The specifications are that the early Christian sang, sang hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs with the fruit of their lips and praise God. There is no mention that these early Christians were using drums, were using organs, were using uh, pipes or whatever you call it whatever you use to entertain yourself in the church today, there's no mention of such thing. So please, as Jesus said, from the beginning, it wasn't like that. So if you are doing this, it means your heart is hardened and you are doing something that you have not been authorized to do. Brothers and sisters, it is important that we go into the Bible and look for this truth. The only song that we hear the early Christians singing was a, a cappella type of singing. A cappella means there's no instruments in it, and they sang with the fruit of their lips. They sang with their lips. And the third item we discuss is the Lord's Supper. Now, this emblem, which is the bread and the fruit of the vine, represents Christ's death. And this is the only thing that has been authorized by Jesus Christ himself to be used for his remembrance. 
if you use anything apart from the Lord's Supper to remember Christ, you are wrong. Jesus himself said, this is what you should use to remember me. The Lord's Supper, which is the emblem of his death. And not anything else. Let's hear Jesus himself. From Luke chapter 22 verse 19 to 20. And he took the bread. And when he has given thanks. He broke it. And gave it to them saying. This is my body. Which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise the cup after he has eaten. Saying this cup. That is poured out. For you. Is the new covenant in my blood. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, confirmed this when he also wrote to the Corinthian Christians. And this is what Paul said, and I quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 25. He said, I received from the Lord that for again I'm taking it again he said for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way as he took the cup uh, after the supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this in remembrance of me. So in the whole Bible, the only thing that Jesus himself and the apostles also said we should use to remember Christ is the Lord's Supper. Finito. If you are sitting in your church and using anything else to remember Christ, you've got it wrong. Some people use Christ's best. And today is 2nd of January. Just last week, the whole world saying Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Where is the Christmas in the Bible? There's nothing like that in the Bible. Christmas is a foreign thing in the Bible. It has no space in the Bible. There's no way in the Bible that is mentioned that Jesus' uh, 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 birth was to be used to remember him. In fact, he himself said we should use the Lord's Supper to remember his death and not his birth. Paul also affirmed. So where is this Christmas coming from? But that is what man today is using. Instead of going back to the specification, what God has specified, they are doing their own thing. So Jesus said, in vain do they worship me because they are following the teachings and commandments and traditions of man. Christmas is tradition of man. It has no space in the Bible. It's man, okay? Even if you look at the beginning of Christmas, it's a paganism. And man adopted it and pushed it into Christianity. The true Christians do not celebrate this because it is not in the scriptures. What I want you to understand is that 
if the focus of this remembrance is not on his death but on anything else you've got it wrong if the items to be used that the bread and wine is changed to anything else you've got it wrong and that will be unauthorized and that will be sinful although this command is boldly written in the scriptures man has over the years altered what the Lord has instituted 2,000 years ago instead of remembering his death man as I said is remembering his birth instead of the first day of the week to take the Lord's Supper as written in Acts chapter 20 verse 7 man chooses any day or any time that suits him some people who are saying that they even take the Lord's Supper some take it every month some quarterly some yearly as if there's no specifications in the Bible please let's go into the Bible and see exactly what the apostles and the early Christians did and let's put aside all human doctrine all human creeds because these cannot save us the only thing that can save us is the Word of God which is written down for us brothers and sisters some people remember do this remembrance they will tell you that oh so what is wrong if if i remember christ using his, his birth what is wrong if i celebrate christmas what is wrong what you have to understand is if god leaves mankind to do whatever they want there'll be there'll be mercy in religion because of that God always specifies what he wants man to do. So man cannot specify for God. But if you say you are a Christian, you need to follow the pattern. The old ways, you need to follow it. That's what the scripture said. Follow the old ways. Go back to the beginning. What the apostles did. What the early Christians did. You can't sit down today in 19th century or 21st century and start to do whatever you yourself want. You got to follow the pattern. Go back to the beginning. Jesus said from the beginning this wasn't so. Let's go back to the teaching and preaching. This is also part of our worship. Whenever we uh, come together to worship, God speaks to us through teachers, preachers, and evangelists. And one thing which I think is important and significant as far as our worship is concerned is this preaching and teaching I'm talking about. What we know from the beginning of Christianity is that the early Christians were devoted to the apostles' teachings as handed to them by the Lord. They were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer as chapter 2 verse 42 so what we know is that these people were teaching as the apostles taught them for our worship to be acceptable today 
it is imperative we are devoted to the apostles' doctrine, which was handed to them by our Lord Jesus Christ nearly 2,000 years ago. Setting aside apostolic doctrine and embracing human teachings and tradition makes worship unacceptable. The Lord says, These people honest me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, because in vain they do worship me, teaching doctrine and the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold on to the tradition of man. And you say to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. And this is the sad thing Jesus is saying. Because man has uh, damped God's commandments, God's specification, and doing their own thing. The modern day Christian religion is the most divided and most fragmented religion in the world. This is because humans have set aside God's commandment and has established their own doctrine. Jesus before his crucifixion prayed that all those who will be following him should be one. And I quote from John 17 verse 20 to 21. Quote, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as the Father, you are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. John chapter 17 is what I read. For all those who can uh, call themselves Christians to be united, as Jesus prayed, there must be the need to drop all human doctrines return to the beginning and be devoted to the apostolic teachings or the teachings of the apostles. Again, it has been a debate over the years on whether or not a woman can be a minister of the church, teaches and preaches as the men do. Such debate wouldn't have arisen if all had embraced the apostles' teaching, which unambiguously states that women are not permitted to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Paul says, and I quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 to 34, if you have your Bible, refer to this. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as it is in all the, uh, the churches of the saints. The women should keep silence in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission, as the Lord says. Remember, and I say it again, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silence in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but also should be in submission, as the Lord says. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, 34. It is in your Bible. So why are the women ministers? Why are the women leaders in the church? Why are the women teaching while the, the church is in session? If a woman teaches a woman, there's nothing wrong. But the Bible says when the church meets, women are to keep silent. They are not allowed to speak. Or to teach, to preach. Brothers and sisters, 
In his letter to Timothy, Paul again reaffirmed the woman's position in the church when he says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, it shall remain quiet. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Read your scripture, read your Bible. It is there. This is no new thing. Maybe you don't know it. Read it. Back in 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit re revealed to Paul, the apostle, how people will depart from the sound doctrine, that is the teachings of the apostles, and embrace human doctrine. He warned Timothy, the evangelist, for the time is coming when people will not endure the sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myth. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Worship without apostolic teaching is vain and unacceptable. And the last one we will discuss here is the collection for the saints. This is money matters, talking about money. In the Old Testament era, God gave his laws and statutes to the people of Israel, but no other nation. Psalm 147 verse 19-20 says, All the laws and statutes that God gave to Israel, no other nation was involved. This, some people don't know. So they go back to the Old Testament and go to the laws given to the Jews and employ it in Christianity. That cannot happen. These laws were given to the Jews and Jews alone. We Christians have our laws given to us through Jesus Christ and not through Moses. Some of these laws that were given to them deal with how to care with the Levitical priests who were put in charge of the Jewish worship. In those days, 10% called the tithes of their produce and other things such as the portions of all the sacrifices they made were to be available in the house of God for the priests and the needy. These laws do not bind Christians today as they were given specifically to the Jews. The tithe, what we know as tithe, was not given to Christians. Tithes were given to the Jews. And tithes is never money. You will never read anywhere in the Bible where tithe was money. Tithe is just the farm produce, the things. If you know the, any quotation that says tithe is money, uh, you can let me know. It is not there in the Bible. So all those who are collecting tithe every month or every week, what you are doing is not in the Bible, it's unauthorized. And if it is unauthorized, then it's sinful that you are doing this. These laws do not bind Christians today as they were given specifically to the Jews or Israel. Psalm 149 verse 20, read there. And also the fact that the Levitical priest or priesthood has since been changed. Today we don't have Levitical uh, priests who were collecting this tithe. So why are people still deceiving people collecting their money called tithes? Though tithes were never money. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 12 said, 
the Levitical priest has changed, so the other laws involving that has also been changed. When Christianity began following the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the early Christians were seen sharing what they had with the poor and the needy. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 45. And also Acts chapter 4, verse 30 to 37. The Holy Spirit through the apostles directed all Christians to help the poor. Galatians chapter 2 verse 10 And also to set aside something in store and bring them together in each first day of the week which is the Sunday for the work of the church. He says and I quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 1 and 2 Now concerning the collection for the saints as I directed the churches in Galatia so you also to do, you are to do, on the first day of every week, each of you should put aside something in store up, as he may prosper, so that there would be no collecting when I come. How much one should put aside is not specified, but some clues have been made as far as giving is concerned. Here, Paul uh, again instructs. The point is this. Whoever sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or uh, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This collection is used to help those who preach the word of God, the preachers or the evangelists, and also used to spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and also used to help the poor and the needy. The scripture says, Do not, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve the altar share in the sacrificial offering. In the same way, God commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 and 14 is what I've just read. From the beginning, this is how monies were collected during worship in the first day of the week to support the work of the Lord. Anything else in addition or subtraction, as far as collection is concerned, will be strange, unauthorized, and sinful. Brothers and sisters, I want us to reflect again on this. Exactly as I have shown you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. In the Old Testament times, when God gave his law to the Israelites, he told Moses that everything that I have instructed you, do it as I have instructed you. If you come to the New Testament, Revelation chapter 21, when uh, uh, Revelation was concluded, Jesus said, nobody should add or subtract to this. So it is important that as we go back to the New Testament and to the beginning 
to see how the apostles or the early Christian worship, we have to make sure that everything that has been specified is what we will do. And anything that is not found in the New Testament, we shouldn't be practicing it. Because if you practice, it makes your worship null and void, unauthorized, and it becomes sinful for you too. It is important that all Christians return to the beginning, refer to the pattern of worship as demonstrated by early Christians, and follow suit, other than which your worship become unacceptable. God bless you for listening to this tape. And I know that you've learned a lot from this. If you have any question, there will be email in the same place that you are watching this or listening. Uh, you can send your comment, your questions uh, in this email. If you would like this tape too, please forward to other people and like it for me. Thank you very much for listening to the word of God. May God bless you as you continue to search for the truth. This is Church of Christ coming to you. Church of Christ may be in your locality. Or just a few travel, you can find the Church of Christ. Please visit Church of Christ in any way you are and know the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. God bless you as you hear his word today. God really bless you.